Welcome to Musings Under the Sun, a sporadic and informal podcast discussing the Bible, theology, culture, and other topics of interest. My name is Joel Griffiths, and now you know why I chose to call this a sporadic podcast. So it's been almost two months now since the first episode was released. Uh, Maybe some people out there figured I had just given up on it, but I haven't. Uh, I've still been thinking about some topics to talk about, and today I want to start talking about the attributes of Scripture. In other words, the key characteristics of Scripture that kind of summarize what I believe about the Bible. And I say it summarizes what I believe about the Bible, but none of this is actually going to be unique to me. Uh, My view of Scripture is basically a traditional, conservative, Protestant, evangelical view of Scripture. So I'm not pretending to be putting out any new ideas here, because honestly, I'm happy with the old ideas of those who have gone before me. So today, I just want to start talking through the key characteristics of Scripture. And the main reason I want to do that is because this podcast is obviously still in the early stages of its lifespan. Again, this is only the second episode. And I think it would be beneficial at this early stage of the podcast to go ahead and nail down this particular topic because it's so foundational to anything and everything else that this podcast might talk about. And I want to reiterate that and reemphasize that because I'm not exaggerating when I say it. I really do mean everything else. My doctrine of Scripture is foundational to everything else that I think about. Um, If I'm thinking about history, I want to think about history through the lens of Scripture. If I'm thinking about politics or current events, obviously we're coming up on an election Uh, right now in the U.S., and so this is something that a lot of people are thinking about and talking about right now. And as always, this is the most important election in the history of the universe, and you can probably sense the sarcasm in my voice as I say that, but to be clear, I'm not saying that this is an unimportant election, but my point is, whatever views I might have about politics, I want those views to be informed by Scripture. Or if I'm thinking about sports, movies, or games, same thing. I want to think about them through the lens of Scripture. It doesn't have to only be things that are deep and meaningful. Um, Even leisure activities. The way I think about any topic, I I want my thinking to be rooted in and based on Scripture always. And the main reason for that is because this is God's world. I think about Psalm 24, which says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, the world and everything in it belongs to God. And if that's true, then everything is related to him in some way. And what God has told us about himself and about his world should inform the way that we think about everything, because it's his world. So if I ever do an episode of this podcast where I don't mention at least one passage of Scripture, then I suspect that I'm doing something wrong. Because one of my commitments as a Christian, and especially one of my commitments as a pastor, is to bring God's Word to bear on every aspect of life and in every sphere of life. So I'm not interested in a kind of faith that just stays between my ears, where it's just this 
personal, spiritual, heartfelt kind of faith that you're really only expressive about whenever you go to church. And you kind of keep it compartmentalized and separated from your, your real life stuff. That's not the way I want to think about my faith. Deuteronomy 11 says this, and this is God speaking. He says, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. So there's God talking about his word and how we need to relate to and interact with his word throughout our day-to-day lives. And I think that when you boil that passage down, what it's essentially saying is let the word of God permeate every part of your life. So if that's the case, then I also want the Word of God to permeate this podcast. And that's why on this second episode, I want to just go ahead and start nailing down what I actually believe about the Bible. And let me just say what I'm not going to talk about here today is the canon of Scripture. So that's a discussion about which books belong in the Bible and how the church came to recognize those books as authoritative. And that's a really interesting question in and of itself, and it's a very worthwhile topic. Uh, A lot of books have been written about that, and I could see myself doing an episode on that topic at some point in the future. But that's not what I'm going to talk about uh, today on this episode. Kind of just for my purpose today, I'm going to assume the 66 books of the Bible. So 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. That's the Bible. These are the books that virtually all Christians throughout the ages have recognized as authoritative scripture. And what I want to focus on today is what I believe about scripture. What are scripture's attributes? What are its characteristics? And there are usually four attributes of scripture that are really uh, the most basic. And those four attributes are these, sufficiency, clarity, authority, and necessity. Sufficiency, clarity, authority, and necessity. And the acronym of those words, conveniently, spells out the word SCAN. Sufficiency, clarity, authority, and necessity. So that's kind of an easy way to remember them. You just remember the word SCAN. But I actually want to to talk about them in a little bit different order than that. And so I'm kind of going to mess up the acronym a little bit. But it's an order that feels a little bit more logical to me, where each one of them kind of builds on uh, builds on the next. And all I really want to do is take sufficiency and move it to the end of the list. Okay, so I'll start with clarity and then move to authority and then necessity and then finish with sufficiency. And I guess that spells out the word cans. So whatever way you prefer to remember that, it's up to you. And so today I just want to focus on the clarity of Scripture. I believe that Scripture is clear. Scripture is understandable. And I'll read to you how Wayne Grudem defines the clarity of Scripture. Wayne Grudem is... An evangelical theologian, he wrote a very popular systematic theology book. I encourage you to get it. It's a really, really big book. 
uh, but it's not really that difficult to read and it's great to use and just keep around. Uh, you can you can use it really just as an encyclopedia if you if you want to look up certain topics that you're interested in or have questions about. It's just a great book to have around and it's called Systematic Theology. But here's how Grudem defines the clarity of scripture. He says this, quote, "The clarity of scripture means that the Bible is written in such a way that its teachings are able to be understood by all who will read it, seeking God's help and being willing to follow it." End quote. And this attribute of scripture used to be called the perspicuity of scripture. That's kind of a funny sounding word, the perspicuity of Scripture. And you think about the word perspicuous, that's a related word, it just means clear. Uh, but, but over time, not many people knew what the heck perspicuity meant. And so it kind of became an ironic term because it's a word that means clarity, but that wasn't very clear to people. And so now we just use the word clarity for clarity's sake. And what we mean by the clarity of Scripture is that Scripture is understandable. That's what Grudem just said in that, in that definition he gave. Scripture is understandable to us as human beings. So Scripture was not given to us in some kind of alien language. Okay, if you've ever looked at the original languages of the Bible, Greek or Hebrew, they may look like alien languages to you, but they're not. They're human languages that are meaningful and understandable. And of course, most people do rely on a translation of the Bible, myself included, even though I know a little bit of Greek. Uh, I don't have nearly enough familiarity with the language to just be able to pick up a Greek text and read it like I do English. Uh, Not even close, really. And my knowledge of Hebrew is even worse. Pretty much the only thing I remember from Hebrew is the alphabet, and that's because it's set to a song, which I won't sing for you. But uh, the point is, I rely on English translations as well, for the most part. But the principle is still the same. God's Word is understandable to human beings. So, Why is it important for us to affirm that? Why is it important to believe in the clarity of Scripture? I think on one level, it seems kind of obvious why we should believe this. If the Bible actually is some kind of alien language, then what good would it be to anybody, right? But at the same time, no serious person out there is really arguing that the Bible is just a totally non-understandable language like like an alien language would be. But I think I can give a couple more reasons uh, for why we should believe in the clarity of Scripture. And these are reasons that are a little bit more realistic. And one reason is historical, and another reason is just practical, really. And so I'll start with the, the historical reason. I think we can see the importance and the impact of this doctrine of the clarity of Scripture, if we think back to the historical context of the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s. So if you've ever seen the film Luther starring Joseph Fiennes, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. It's a movie that came out in 2003. Really good movie. I enjoyed it. I recommend it. Um, If you've ever seen that movie, then you might remember some of the things that were portrayed in that film. So there's one scene in the movie where Luther is um, debating 
Thomas Cajetan, who was a cardinal, and that basically means he was a, a high-ranking bishop in the Catholic Church. And here's how part of that exchange went down in the movie. If common people could read the Bible for themselves, they would understand just how broad the church's interpretations are. That is outrageous. The scriptures are too complex for even the average priest to understand, much less the common man. Okay, so the, the movie is a dramatization, obviously, but it still portrays... Uh, true issues and real debates that were occurring at that time period. And one of those debates had to do with the clarity of Scripture. That's basically what we just heard them talking about in that clip. The Roman Catholic Church of that time was very protective of the Bible. And that might sound like a good thing, but I don't mean it that way. What I mean is they were so protective of the Bible that they actually wanted to keep it out of the hands of common people. So the standard Bible that was used in that day was the Latin Vulgate, which is a, a Latin translation that was done by a guy named Jerome way, way back in the 300s. And that was the standard Bible uh, for a long time, a, a thousand years or, or more. And it was the only Bible translation that was authorized by the Roman Catholic Church. But the thing about that is that common people did not know Latin and basically had no means by which to learn Latin. And so pretty much the only ones who knew Latin were church officials, church leaders, people who went to seminary. It was only professional churchmen who knew Latin, and therefore they were the only ones who uh, could read the Bible. And the Roman Catholic Church actually wanted it to stay this way. They didn't want the Bible to be translated into common languages because they felt like that was too dangerous for common people to be able to read Scripture for themselves. Now, if you're a Protestant like me, then you might be thinking that that just sounds totally bizarre. How can anybody think it's bad for people to be able to read the Bible for themselves? And I get that. I'm on your side here. But we can at least try to understand where they were coming from because they argued that as soon as you allow common people to read Scripture for themselves, then what's going to happen is they're going to run off with a thousand different interpretations of Scripture, and they're not going to trust anymore uh, the people who have actually been trained to read and interpret Scripture. And what's ultimately going to happen is you're going to undermine the authority of the church. So that was why they wanted the Bible to remain basically inaccessible to the average person. But the Protestant reformers, on the other hand, people like Martin Luther, they pushed back against that idea and, and argued for the clarity of Scripture. They emphasized that Scripture is understandable. And we should recognize that God intends for people to know his word and to have access to it and not for it to be locked away in the church where, where only the professionals can read it. Because think about certain things that the Bible says. For example, Deuteronomy 6, and this is actually a lot like the, the Deuteronomy 11 passage that I read just a minute ago. But Deuteronomy 6 says, and, and again, this is God speaking. He says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And the part that I want to highlight about that passage is how the Bible assumes that even children are able to understand 
God's words. You know, maybe not exhaustively. I think there's, there's certainly going to be a simplicity in the understanding that, that children have. But they can at least learn and understand God's word in a way that is beneficial to them. So that's what that, that passage simply assumes to be the case that children can and should understand God's Word. And I think that that speaks to the clarity of Scripture. So if you, if you grew up going to Sunday school, then it's probably pretty likely that you have certain verses or passages of the Bible memorized. Maybe it's John 3.16 or the 23rd Psalm or the Lord's Prayer. It's kind of something that we, that we just take for granted now, the fact that children can learn the Bible in a way that they can understand it in their own language. But the reason that that's possible today for children to learn the Bible in their own language is because there were believers in previous generations who had enough conviction and had enough courage to defend the clarity of Scripture against the policies of the established church of their day. And we stand on the shoulders of those people. So this is why the clarity of Scripture, one reason why the clarity of Scripture is is not just this abstract kind of impractical topic that only theology nerds like to talk about. It's actually really, really important. And I'll give you one more historical example. There was a famous English scholar in the 1500s named William Tyndale, and he was on the side of the Reformers. So he held to a lot of the doctrinal things that the Reformers were fighting for in that day. But Tyndale is most famous for translating the Bible into English. In fact, the King James Bible uh, was largely based on William Tyndale's translation. Some people estimated that 80% of the King James Bible was basically pretty much copy and pasted from Tyndale's translation, his English translation, which is pretty wild when you think about it. It tells you just how influential he was for English-speaking Christians. We owe a lot to the work that Tyndale did. But remember, translating the Bible was a crime in that day. It was a crime against the church, and the church and the state were very closely tied together in that day. Uh, The church was kind of an arm of the state, really. And so translating the Bible was a punishable crime, and it was punishable by death. They didn't play around about this, and Tyndale uh, himself was eventually put to death. But Tyndale made a famous statement one time, and he was talking about his motivation, basically, in, in translating the Bible into common languages. And there were actually all kinds of languages that he knew, uh, but he's most remembered for his English translation. Uh, but he was talking about his motivation in translating the Bible into common languages. And he said, basically, and I'm paraphrasing this, he said, as long as God allows me to live, my goal is to make it so that the boy who is out in the field driving a plow knows more Scripture than the Pope does. The boy who's out in the field driving a plow, he's just, he's just kind of speaking of the most common person, sort of uh, everyday person that you can think of, just the, the boy who's out driving a plow in, in the field, doing manual labor, um, that he would know more of Scripture than the Pope does. That was Tyndale's motivation. He wanted common people to know God's Word. He believed that the church would be better off if 
if all believers had access to the Word of God. And that's a powerful statement that, that he made. Tyndale believed that common people need the Word of God in a language they can understand because he believed Scripture is understandable. Scripture is clear. And so that's kind of a historical reason why the, the clarity of Scripture is important. We can see the importance of it played out in that time period of the Protestant Reformation. And then there's also, I think, a practical reason why the clarity of Scripture is important. I think that whenever we read the Bible as Christians, we need to approach it with a full conviction that God's Word is understandable. And the reason I'm saying that is because I think sometimes we're tempted to fall into an assumption that certain parts of the Bible are just too weird, they're just too out there, they're too mysterious for us to be able to understand. And so what happens is we end up just not really bothering with those parts of the Bible. But I really think that's a mistake. And a great example here would be a book like Revelation. If you've read the book of Revelation, then you know how weird a lot of it is. And I say that with, with all reverence, but you know what I mean. The book of Revelation is strange a lot of times. It's full of all kinds of imagery and metaphors. It's got lots of prophetic material having to do with the, the end times and the return of Christ. And because of all that, there's, there's lots of different interpretations of the book of Revelation. And sometimes all of this taken together can just kind of be off-putting to people and make them basically give up hope and say, who can really understand this stuff? And therefore, they just set aside a book like Revelation. But I think when we do that, we're showing that we don't really believe in the clarity of Scripture, at least not the clarity of all Scripture. And trust me, I understand that Revelation can be a difficult book, uh, and there are there are other plenty of other difficult parts of Scripture too. The the clarity of Scripture, and I'll say this um, to kind of uh, clarify, no pun intended. The the clarity of Scripture doesn't mean that that all Scripture is easy to understand. That's important to remember. It doesn't mean that all Scripture is easy to understand. In fact. Think about something Peter said in 2 Peter 3.16. He was talking about Paul's letters, and he said some things in Paul's letters are hard to understand. So there are parts of Scripture that require some work in order to understand them. But that doesn't mean that they're impossible to understand. And that's what we mean by the clarity of Scripture. That's what we're trying to safeguard, the, the, the fact that the Bible is understandable. And whenever we don't understand, the problem is not God. That's really important to remember. The problem is not that the Holy Spirit just wasn't clear enough when he inspired the text. No, the problem lies in ourselves. The problem has to be ourselves. It can't be God. And it might seem kind of like a provocative thing to say, but uh, it's our fault collectively as the church that a book like Revelation is so confusing there's a, a pastor named Doug Wilson who said, it's kind of ironic that we've taken a book called Revelation and we've turned it into the most obscure book in the whole Bible. Because think about it. What does the word revelation mean? It's a revealing or an unveiling of something. But yet, somehow, some way, we've managed to make it so that so much of the book of Revelation still feels hidden to us. 
and I'm talking about myself here because I'm part of the problem too. I was one of those people who for a long time just set aside the book of Revelation, thinking that it was basically out of reach in terms of, of understanding it, but I don't want to do that. I need to believe that God has spoken in a way that I can understand, even if it might take some work on my part. And yeah, there might be a lot of interpretations out there when you talk, when you think about end times and interpretations of a book like Revelation. There may be a lot of them out there, but so what? I just need to get in there and read the word for myself and find my own view. Because if I really believe in the clarity of Scripture, then I need to approach it believing that God has spoken in a way that I can understand. And it doesn't mean that I'll understand everything immediately or that I'll ever understand everything. But I think it's really important for us to have the, the right mindset whenever we do approach Scripture. Scripture is understandable, and God can give me understanding. And I think coming to the Bible with that kind of expectancy is a really important thing. Okay. So that is the first attribute of Scripture, clarity. And I've already talked way long enough for one episode, and so I'm just going to cut it off right there for now. Uh, There's still three other attributes of Scripture to talk about, uh, authority, necessity, and sufficiency. I don't know if I'll do those right away in the next episodes or if I'll just kind of circle back around to them uh, later on. We'll We'll see what happens. Before I go, I do want to give you a couple of book recommendations if you want to read up about this topic yourself. And one that I've already mentioned is Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. And that's actually a book that covers basically every major theological topic out there. But he has several chapters uh, toward the beginning of it where he works through all four of these characteristics of Scripture. Sufficiency, clarity, authority, and necessity. And I really like his explanations of everything. So he's kind of my number one uh, recommendation. And honestly, I'm probably going to be relying on and borrowing from Grudem a lot throughout this whole podcast. Anytime I talk about something theological, that's just a great standard work of systematic theology that he did. Uh, But another good book is by a pastor named Kevin DeYoung, and it's called Taking God at his word. That's a great title, I think. And then the the subtitle is Why the Bible is Knowable, Necessary, and Enough, and What That Means for You and Me. Kevin DeYoung is one of my favorite authors out there. I love his books. I love his blog. And he writes with a lot of wisdom and a lot of winsomeness. He has a good sense of humor that comes out here and there, too. Uh, So check out his book if you're interested, Taking God at His Word. All right, that's all I got for now. Thank you, everybody, for listening. The podcast should be available now through Apple Podcasts and also Spotify and other platforms like that. Uh, And also, I'm uploading each episode to YouTube, so you can listen there if you want. And if you enjoy the show, go ahead and subscribe. Maybe share it with somebody else who you think might like it. Uh, I appreciate uh, the feedback that I've gotten on it so far. So, Thanks again for listening, and until next time, fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man.